Welcome to the Win Daily Show. Today I got a good friend, a guy who lives in New York with me, who's dealing with quarantine with me right now. Hopefully we get out of it soon. Scott Santamaterio from Ball Street Trading, CEO and founder. Scott, how are you doing today, man? My man, how are you? This Chilling, is man. Chilling. interesting times to say the least. Yeah, so let's start this off, man. We're both New Yorkers. We're both street smart. We've both been educated by, you know, the school of hard knocks growing up in New York. But talk to me a little bit about what decision did you make initially to leave your career or basically anything that you decided that put you in the position you are today as the founder and CEO of Ball Street Trading? Yeah, before I got into all this, I was in investment banking and the reality of what happened from 2007 to 2010 with the crisis, I was literally trading fixed income. I was trading subprime during that time. And it was that reality check that a life in financial services that I had projected for myself, I had spent 15 years building up this career, just wasn't going to take me to where I ultimately wanted to, to be and where I thought that the direction of my life was ultimately going to take. Um, you know, it was really the seeds back then that got planted and how I can figure out different ways that I can consider different paths forward. Uh, back in the early 2000s, I was just like you, a big online poker player. Um, and when I coupled that with my love of trading, the idea of having control was something that always pushed me forward um, in trying to create a concept like we have today for Ball Street. Um, I'm admittedly not a big sports better. Um, I hated the idea that I would bet on the Jets or the Mets and literally by the second inning or in the first quarter, the game would basically be over because both teams are terrible and, and my money is gone and this has been a terrible experience. So it was always, how do I create a better experience for myself and then ultimately try to cater to those people that probably are thinking like I am to where we want to give them control so that it's ultimately going to be their decisions that are going to define their success or failure in whatever we're doing here. All right. So for the people who don't know about Ball Street, I've been on the app. I've been on your platform for quite some time. You know, we've had dinners together. We've hung out together. We shared a live trading experience in New York City before. Explain to them how Ball Street is different, what Ball Street really is in its truest form. Yeah, I mean, I think at the super highest level, it's a real-time prediction game that lets you basically change your mind anytime you want. So what we've, got, what we've done is taken a more conventional prediction market and using sports and the outcomes of these live events create this contest structure. So our markets trade from zero to 100 based on the win probability. Shares of the winning team will expire at 100. Shares of the losing team will expire at zero. It's up to you to basically out trade everyone else in the market while the game itself is going on. What makes ours unique is that it's completely peer to peer in that the only thing that is affecting the price are the actual players in the market itself. So there's no outside odds, there's no API, there's no data that's flowing in because there's a home team who's now down by two scores and their quarterback just got hurt. This is all driven by the players who are actually in the market. So it's one part fantasy, one part stock market, one part sports betting, and one part poker really is what we're trying to do ultimately gives players back control so that they can be part of the experience of watching the game but have more of a player role in that experience and not necessarily only be a spectator even with dfs and i'm sure all the guys that are listening to you and getting the advice that you guys are giving out on win, win daily on a daily basis they're doing all of that work pre-game right they're locking their lineups they've done all of the necessary things to put them in a position to be successful what we're trying to do is take that type of mindset and bring that intra-game 
so that they can use all of their ability to look at all of the different variables and make decisions on what team's going to get hot in the short run and what shares are undervalued, what shares are overvalued, so that they themselves can be in this market buying and selling. I think on some level, everyone has had the fantasy of being a Wall Street trader. I know I certainly did growing up back in the 90s. Um, and now with technology, we're able to do this a lot more in a simplified approach where it makes it so that it's intuitive, easy to understand, and the approach we're really taking is uh, we want it to be a video game. We want it to be an enjoyable, entertaining experience while you're watching Monday Night Football. I don't think anyone wants to be on E-Trade while they're watching the Jets and the Giants play. I think for us, it's about really hugging that line and creating an experience that you know this is a serious market, uh, but this is certainly something that's enjoyable while you're getting to enjoy the game. Well, yeah, I've been on the app, and in order to, to win, you got to be involved. You got to be watching the game, watching every move, and be creative. You know, take a chance and taking certain risks at certain points of the game. But like you said, you're not playing against a house. You're not paying a VIG. You're not paying a rake. All those factors have been removed, which is nice on my side of things. I'm a gambler. I'm a trader. And I love watching sports. So you're combining all that and allowing me in its simplest form to watch a Met-Yankee Subway Series game with a bunch of my friends and with all your community at the same time. And as the game, you know, if it's 0-0, the value is going to stay in, in a certain aspect of the game, depending on what team is actually favored to win at the end of the day. But if the Mets take a lead, that might be the time to go buy some Yankee shares because the Yankee shares went down and back and forth you trade. Now, with the platform itself, how predictive is this market? Like, how easy is it to go in this market and become a successful Wall Street trader? And what are the rewards that you envision today versus, you know, six months from now or a year from now? How will Wall Street tra trade differently? Yeah, I think for right now, when we talk about the learning curve, certainly if you're someone who has no idea about sports betting or even about the stock market on its simplest terms, um, there might be a little bit of a curve for you just to really understand the flow of why the market is moving in a certain way when certain game events are happening. Certainly, if the Patriots have the ball in the 20-yard line and begin to march down the field, the market is going to trend up because everyone wants to get into those shares before they get into the end zone. Um, over time, and I think what we've experienced over last year from running all of the different markets is usually about five, 10 minutes, the light bulb moment occurs for the players. And it usually gets pushed into two buckets. It's, I love this idea. This is amazing. And I love to have this experience while I'm watching this game. And there's certainly the side of the coin that says, you know what, this isn't really for me. I don't want to have to be as active during the entire game as, uh, as this might require. Because for us, it's about driving engagement to the game itself. So certainly there's an advantage to being involved, watching the game, knowing a little bit about how the teams are playing. And Ultimately, you know, we're all in these text chains with our buddy and everyone's saying, here comes the run, here comes the Lakers and LeBron, watch what's going to happen in the second half. This is a way for you ultimately to quantify this and put your money where your mouth is and buy shares of the Lakers, even though they're down 22 at halftime. Yeah. This is really, on some level, I like to think of it as competitive Twitter. Um, and for us, it's about really creating an experience that we can bring as many people to, introduce them, educate them, get them thinking about sports in this market format because I think markets are going to play a huge role in sports betting going forward. For us right now, as we're growing out the user base, we are looking to bring brand sponsors on and use that ad spend that they give to us to ultimately leverage the engagement that we create during these live events um, and use that ad spend as the carrot 
and ultimately reward those users for their engagement, for their intention, and ultimately for their involvement in the game itself. As we go further down the roadmap, ideally we'd love to have this to be in a position where we can be real money, partner with an operator, look to leverage their licensing to bring and roll this out to as many states as possible to give this experience to as many people as possible. I think when you look at the retail brokerage space, certainly after everything that's been going on with COVID and the volatility in the market, you saw that TD Ameritrade and E-Trade brought in a million new players or a million new retail traders in the past quarter. I compare that to what DraftKings did in their last month of 689 unique users. Retail trading, is here, it has always been here. And if we can look to create that bridge between sports and real-time markets, I think that's where the evolution of all of this begins to think about what the future of sports betting in America looks like, because I'm admittedly a seller on this brick and mortar, conventional sports book, negative one Ted mentality that has been prevalent in Europe and has been prevalent certainly in Nevada. We're seeing that to be the first rollouts for all of these operators who can find the, uh, I, I guess the incentive to be in all of these states right now as we deal with all the legislation with the wire act still up and the lack of federal framework. But at the end of the day, I think new technologies will come in. And I think it just makes sense that at the end of the day, really what we're doing is we're risk managing um, expectations on both sides on, you know, home teams, underdogs, overs, unders. And if you can put that into a market and let the crowd source that information, I think that is a much more efficient way to do it so that we don't have to pay the 10% VIG on a negative 110 because we have to pay for all the employees in a brick and mortar, all of the marketing that they're basically pumping out at 800 to $1,000 for CPA is you know, certainly some of the rumors you hear out there. I think there's certainly a more efficient way to do a lot of what's been going on for the past 50 or 100 years. And I think technology is going to evolve this into what I believe will ultimately become more of a marketplace as opposed to individual operators dealing with their businesses, uh, you know, as, as independent operators. No, I'm with you on that. It's going to be a lot of changes, especially with live betting. I think live betting is going to be the most, most influential change moving forward with mobile and live. That's where a lot of the innovation will come. You're a little bit ahead of the game, ahead of the curve right now, because you already have a live trading platform. So I think you're, you're, you're stationed in a good spot to, you know, work with these teams, work with these facilities, work with these operators and land somewhere. Um, let me change it, change the discussion a little bit from, from sports now to esports. I know you're, you're really big on esports. Um, yeah. I know you're not really a gamer yourself, but you believe in the business of esports. Talk about esports and where you see esports coming into play not necessarily so much for your business, but just for the overall market. Where do you see esports in two years, five years, ten years? Yeah, I think when we look at esports right now, um, I've read and I certainly agree with the notion that it's having its audition right now with everything that's going on. Everything else from a conventional sports perspective is on pause, and esports is now getting its opportunity to really introduce itself to a mainstream audience. I think when you look back historically speaking, I think poker is a great analogy poker had the money maker effect, right? You had this guy walk in, win a poker tournament, and next thing you know, poker is everywhere. Yep. And I think esports needs that moment so that mainstream America can ultimately grab hold and see what is drawing these millions, literally, of people globally to this type of activity. I think when we think about esports from a comparison to sports betting, um, I think that 
esports doesn't need sports betting. I think esports will create its own culture on how people ultimately want to take risk and interact with and ultimately engage. Because I think at the end of the day, sports betting is just fan engagement with some sort of monetary reward at the end of it. So it's not like you're going to all of a sudden have this idea that conventional sports betting is going to increase handle because all of the esports people are now going to be able to bet on esports through MGM. The guys who are playing League of Legends know the NBA exists. This is not going to change anyone's mind. If anything, you're going to find the conventional sports fans potentially being pulled over into esports to now bet on that League of Legends game because, you know, they've been playing it for the past six months during COVID or they were just, you know, closetly playing this an hour a day. I'm admitted, I missed the wave. I, I wish I had more time to sit there and play and really get into it. Um, so we've been really focused on exploring the business side of all of this. And, you know, when you compare the conversations that we've been able to have with the pro sports teams versus the esports organizations, whether it's agents, uh, teams, or the actual publishers themselves, it's a much more progressive conversation. So for us as a startup, that's great. Uh, some of the leagues are a little bit slow to certainly understand maybe the role that gaming is ultimately going to play because there's still this moral hazard or this, you know, gray area of will gambling come, will it go? Um, I'm certainly a big buyer on esports. I'm a big buyer on sports gaming. I just think all of it will probably take a little more time than the, those of us in the industry wanted to. Yeah, esports, worst case scenario, you just need these 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds to become 21-year-olds. Like, worst yeah. case scenario, that's when it's going to happen. If there's a moneymaker effect somewhere in a mix, like, COVID definitely, I think, opened up enough eyes where if it was five years away where the moneymaker effect would happen, it just pushed it up to four years, maybe three years, somewhere in that range, because it definitely sped up that process. People who are in on esports now, their investments are still going to 100x if they haven't already, you know? So that's already happening. And then that next wave is when they're making now 1,000x or whatever seeds they planted in the, in the past. And but we did a win daily sports. Like when we lost sports, we pivoted esports. I told my guys, we're going to become the best esports team. They looked at me like I was crazy. But now every day I wake up, there's another guy who won $1,000, $5,000 playing esports. I'm still interested to see, though, like our guys who were making money during esports time, when baseball comes back and football comes back, do they just shift back over? Because I have found a difficulty in converting esports memberships a lot more than the traditional membership because there's a 40, 50-year-old guy or girl say, I love baseball, I love DFS, I love sports betting. Let me go now gamble or play fantasy on these 18 to 20-year-old kids in Europe and Asia. No. And then do these gamers who've been playing all these games all their life, do they convert and say, all right, let me go gamble on this now? It's been a hard conversion, but I think there is a point where they intersect and now it's accepted, it's understood, and they understand, oh, now I'm watching these gamers on Twitch. Let me make some money off or let me at least have the opportunity to make some money and they'll dabble. $1 turns to $10, 10 to 100 in the same way the DFS exploded in you know the grand scheme of things for baseball, basketball, football. I think esports will have its time. I think they survive. I don't think Korean baseball survives on DraftKings like in a month or two, but I think esports was there before. They'll still be there now. And as long as those operators put those games and make them available, will they be traded as high and, and played as much as they were, you know, during COVID? No. 
but they'll still be played for the people who really love it. And little by little by little, that market will grow as well. Now, a little bit off topic, you're involved in sports right now. What would you tell somebody out of college or in high school that says, you know what? I realize that I got to work in sports. I got to be involved in sports. What would you tell that person to find their passion in sports and get a job or make a career out of sports? Do they go your route and just say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go develop something. Because I know it's not easy. I'm in your shoes too. Not an easy seat to sit in. It's not so glorious. And it's not so glorious to get a, a starting off job when your buddies are making, say, X dollars and you're making half that in sports and you're not doing what you really want to do. What's your suggestion to them? Yeah, I think, you know, coming at this as someone who's already had a professional career now into the sports and the gaming world, I certainly have, a, I think, a unique perspective, much like yourself, coming at this a little bit later in life. Um, my advice and when I have conversations with, with younger guys is, first, just really know that you love sports, one, and then know that you love the business of sports. Because just because you're a big baseball fan doesn't mean your dream job is going to be working for Major League Baseball. And I think being able to really understand what it means to work in the sports industry is the first step to appreciating that this could be a step that you could take for a, an extended period of time because sports, from at least what I understand, it's going to take, you're going to have to, you know, pay, pay your dues over and over again. And to your point, you're probably going to do this at half of what your buddies who went into to law school or half of what your buddies who went into finance are making. Um, at best. And, you know, the, the other piece of all of this is network. You know, it's never been easier than right now to network and be able to speak to people. LinkedIn is such an incredible tool. That's how you and I started talking um, to where there's a lot of really talented and successful people who are accessible to you if you go with, you know, ask for advice and hopefully you're able to get a couple of good pieces of information to take forward. Um, and build slow. This isn't going to happen overnight. This is probably going to be a 10-year investment into time, into your network, into understanding what you like to do, what you don't like to do in sports specifically. Because when I think of sports, I had no idea what the sports business was before I started doing it. It is a big, big place, man. You know, it, these are not just the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. This thing is as big as you could possibly imagine. So understanding what you like about it, what you don't like about it, maybe even more importantly, and then figuring out exactly who those people that you trust and who those people ultimately can be to give you the opportunity and the platform to show your talents and hopefully then move up to that next level. And you never know where you could potentially catch lightning in a bottle and figure something out or meet the right person and have the right opportunity. Um, you know, this is a space, especially with gaming now coupled into it, it's moving really, really fast. And there's going to be, when we look back five years from now, there's going to be, you know, some guy who's on his couch right now thinking about an idea. He's, he's a millionaire in five years. He yep. just doesn't know it yet. Right. Yep. So it's a question of, can you really understand how, and you know, what's the Wayne Gretzky quote? It's where's the puck going? So figure out what your vision is and then try to find people who share it and ultimately if you're a guy who, or a girl who's graduating from college, you know, you've never had more resources right now, even looking at which could potentially be one of the worst times to graduate from school. Yep. I mean, I graduated from undergrad right after 9-11 going into finance. So I can certainly empathize with the experience that a lot of people are feeling right now. It will get better. It's just going to be different and position yourself to be on the right side of history because there is a new normal coming and make sure that you have an open mind to, 
different experiences and different ways that you can ultimately spend your time as an investment as opposed to thinking about only money or thinking about I want to work for the NFL. Yeah, my, my, my suggestion, uh, it's not as glorious. You know, nobody's just hanging out with LeBron like every single night. Nope. That's not going to happen. Even if you go into agent world, the agent world is a tough animal to practice as far as getting athletes and all that. I hear agents, there's a couple of great ones that have these great careers, but it's a tough, tough business there. The one thing I'll say, you know, speaking to Wayne Kimmel from 76 Capital a couple of days ago, he said, everybody in this world either wants to be the next LeBron, they want to make their kids the next LeBron, or they love watching LeBron. So sports is a business that everybody is attached to. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be a business that's going to continue to grow. It's going to change. Don't get me wrong. It's going to change, especially with the times now. It's not going to be that fan experience so much, you know, for the time being, but that will come back in time. Um, but sports is a great business to be involved in, but don't do it because of sports because nine times out of 10, yes, you will say you work for a sports company across your chest, but it's not like you're playing sports. It's not like you're hanging around with these athletes. You're just doing work in the sports world. And there will be some added benefits because at least you'll be watching stuff and be involved in stuff and maybe see some stuff that is fun, but it's a lot of business just like any other job. But go after your passion. If you, if you love sports, try to find a way and, you know, evaluate what's really important to you in life. Now, Scott, my last question for you today is, I'm wearing this hat, Wind Daily. You know about the brand. We've hung out together. Uh, I got to get you a hat so you can rock one. But what is your Wind Daily mindset that you kind of take with you? It's been something that's made you successful, that you kind of operate under this mindset every single day. Yeah, I mean, I think for better or worse, spending 15 plus years in investment banking gives me a level of work ethic that I don't think a lot of industries have. Um, like we're shooting this on a Friday and I hate Fridays because no one seems to really do anything on a Friday. Um, so I think the idea of every day head down, going as fast as I can, trying to bring everything and everyone with me at that speed um, is probably the greatest strength that I have from that mindset in that this is what has to get done. This is what's going to get done. This is how I've always done it. This is how I've been taught and conditioned almost sort of like going into the military from a get up really early, do a lot of work and go to bed really late because you're still trying to get stuff done. Um, and I think that is really what ultimately separates a lot of people. And hopefully that will be the, one of the big differentiators for us, for myself and for Ball Street. Yeah, man, we're, we're bred from New York, man. New York, I lived in Cali for a year. And when I lived out there, I was like, is anybody working out here? Like, I'm used to this fast pace. New York, the saying is true. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere because nobody moves as fast as us, works as hard as us. I'm not saying there are some lazy people in New York too, but if you're an entrepreneur in New York and you try to go do something elsewhere, it's almost like we're making it harder. If we just went somewhere else and tried to run a business, we'd probably crush it and live a, a more laid back life. But yeah, New Yorkers are bred a little bit differently than everybody else. Um, that's it for today, man. I hope to see some good things out of you soon. And I appreciate your time today, man. I'm going to get everybody to... to to take a look at Ball Street, check it out. Where can they download the app? Is it just in, in, in Apple? We're in the, the App Store. We're in Google Play. We have a desktop. I think uh, your fan base, certainly DFS guys, take a look at it compared to live in-play gaming that we see right now. 
think about the skill sets that are involved, the game theory, the poker skills, all of those things that now come to light through a sports betting context using the market. Um, I really believe that the future of gaming is ultimately going to live in real time. It's going to be peer to peer. And until we figure out from a technology perspective how to deliver this to people um, and remove all of the latency issues and remove the central risk management that the operators currently are running today, um, we'll begin to see much more of a Betfair type experience here in the US um, where ultimately everything evolves and this is better for literally everyone who wants to place a bet on sports. Now, one last question. I live, man. I got one more question. As far as events go, what upcoming events do you have, you know, coming in June, coming in July? And how do you pick your events? How do you say, okay, today we're going to trade Survivor, the show, and tomorrow's going to be the, the political race, and then next day is going to be NASCAR. Are you doing something for this Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson? What events are you looking forward to that are be coming back on the Ball Street app? You know, it was a lot easier before all this stuff. But what we were doing, we were taking basically the best games of the week, the nationally televised games, and we were posting those because we want everyone to have the opportunity of both watching and trading the games. Now things are certainly a little bit, uh, a little bit picking and choosing, not necessarily trying to throw every random virtual game up on the app. But we've run a number of ESL, CSGO games, some Rocket League, some NBA 2K games. ESPN is going to release their schedule for – their viewership of different games that they're going to post. So we're going to do a bunch of those games. We have the skins game on the 17th with Rory, DJ, Ricky, and uh, Matt Wolf. We're going to do Tiger um, and Phil with, with Brady and Manning on the 24th. Um, we have some political futures with VP nomination. We have Democratic nomination. We'll obviously do the presidential nomination. We have a market of which league will be back first, NBA or MLB. Will there be sports before Memorial Day? Will there be sports before July 4th? So for us, it's trying to find fun, interesting markets that at least keep a conversation going. And as some of the bigger headline events surface, we'll certainly look to put those on uh, as long as there's a wide enough audience from a national TV or uh, major streamer perspective. Nice, man. So I'm excited, man. I'm going to get on the app after we finish this conversation. We'll get started, man. So thank you for your time, and we'll get you back on the podcast real soon when sports come back, all right? Awesome, brother. Pleasure. Later, thank man. you, man.